then that's that's what makes it fun for me was getting nervous and getting excited about it and learning to put your nerves make them work for you instead of against you i I think if you weren't worried or nervous it would take for me it would take a lot of the fun out of it and and the thrill of you know the winning Welcome to Practical Horseman's Podcast, featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Sandra Olenek, and this week's episode is with top hunter and equitation trainer and U.S. equestrian Big R judge Don Stewart. Finding and developing horses who are good jumpers and good movers has been Don Stewart's forte for 45 years in the business. During that time, he's proven his expertise by winning innumerable championships as a rider and a coach at all the major shows, including Devon, the Pennsylvania National, the Washington International, and the National Horse Show. As a rider, Don's list of accomplishments is long and distinguished. It started with winning the 1969 Virginia Hunter Seat Equitation Championship. And if you ask Don about the AHSA Horse of the Year titles he earned as a rider in the 1980s and 90s, he easily and proudly lists them off, including four-time winner Auspicious, his personal favorite, two-time winner without a doubt, David Banner, Tommy John, Canadian Voyager, Phantasm, Case in Point, Leave Me a Roan, Western Prospect, and Heartstrings. Other notable moments for Don is riding Meant to Be to the 1989 Grand Championship Green Hunter title at Harrisburg and Moment to Moment to the Working Hunter Classic at the 1989 World Cup. In 1992, he was the leading hunter rider at the Devon Horse Show, and in 1993 and 1995, he was the National Horse Show's leading hunter rider. Although buying, showing, and selling top hunters is a large part of Don's business, he's equally well-known as a coach for junior and amateur riders. By the time he graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in History at North Carolina State University, he had had enough students to open his own training facility. Some of Don's students' notable wins include the AHSA-USCEF Horse of the Year titles with junior horses, including Nobel, Elfin Magic, Hilton, Danceaway, Fernwalk, Double Cinco, Cleopatra Smile, and North Face. Horse of the Year ponies include Sassafras Creek, Trivel, Tickled Pink, and For Kids' Sake. Success for his students also included the equitation finals. Emily Williams won both the ASPCA McClay National Championship and the USEF Hunter Seat Equitation Medal Final in 1999. Other McClay winners are Kelly Farmer in 1993, Sarah Millerin in 2011, and Hunter Holloway in 2016. And medal winners include Lauren Van Eldick, who trained with Dawn since she was a short stirrup rider in 2003, Meg O'Mara in 2012, Spencer Smith in 2014, and Kelly Cruciati in 2015. Many of these riders are now professionals in the horse industry. But during our interview, Don offered up his proudest moment when his daughter Erin won the 2002 ASPCA McClay National Championship, which capped off a junior career that included the Grand and Junior Hunter Championship titles at the Washington International in 2001. For those efforts, she was named the competition's best child rider, a feat she repeated in 2002. She also earned Grand Championship titles at Devon and the National Horse Show. 
As we chatted, Don's sense of humor, well-known among friends and peers, came through when I asked him about his mentors, to which he replied with a chuckle, Being a know-it-all myself, it's kind of hard to act like I don't know everything. He went on to say that he tried to associate himself with and emulate top writers such as Katie Prudant, Leslie Burr Howard, Michael Matz, Conrad Homfeld, and Joe Farges, as well as distinguished Virginia horsemen such as J. Arthur Reynolds and Francis Rowe. He says his biggest mentor was renowned horseman Walter Jimmy Lee. Don sold his business, Don Stewart Stables, in Ocala, Florida, two years ago, though he's still developing and training horses and expanding into the jumper arena. He and his wife Nancy, with whom he raised two children in addition to Aaron, Don and Whitney, are still based in Ocala, Florida, where they rent a farm. Now, let's jump right into our conversation with Don, where he starts by talking about how horses came into his life. I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina, originally, and there's a place where y'all took riding lessons once or twice a week, and that started the passion of the horse. They also had a lot of other sports, say uh, basketball, football, uh, baseball. They had a upground swimming pool there, too. It was like a cheesy summer camp, but that's where I developed a lot of friendships and uh, the love of the horse. What is it about horses and the sport that's kept you involved for so long? I guess it's trying to achieve my goals and repeat some of the things we've won. Uh, I'm lucky enough to made, make my uh, passion my vocation. So that's always been a, I feel I'm lucky in that respect. Uh, it, it's always changing and to try to keep current is always challenging for a 68-year-old. Mm-hmm. How, uh, how would you say you try to stay current and evolve? And certainly a lot has changed over the years. Yes, it certainly has. Uh, when I was a kid, the uh, hunters took the main stage, and our uh, the jumpers were more or less horses that were either too hot or jumped in bad style were sort of the jumpers. So... I've seen the jumpers evolve and take the uh, stage away from the hunters. And for your career highlights, um, I was reading your, uh, the national, at the National Horse Show, the leading hunter rider in 1993 and 1995. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that was, that was, those are, I guess, considered highlights. I think the, uh, I had nice horses and just, you know, did well those particular years so i was um leading writer in 92 at uh, uh devon and those are sort of goals that i had in the back of my head i would certainly like to achieve i put that on the bucket list with a check next to them i was happy to do that probably my most significant or proudest moment was my daughter winning the uh aspc a mcclay finals in 2002 that was a goal that I'd always had. And she also was grand champion at Washington and Devon and the national with a couple of different horses. So that was horses we'd picked out. So that was nice. Um, any of those national championships that we won where we, we had one girl who won the medal finals, Lauren Van Eldick, who'd been with us since she was a short stirrup rider from right. She lived right down the street from us. That's always exciting. Um, I've owned a lot of Grand Prix horses uh, with Aaron Vale. That's exciting when they do well. 
had one that was second in the million dollar class. Uh, wow. Fanu, he was one of the, he's blind in one eye and he won the pre-science the last three years at Washington. That's another, that's a top jumper. Uh, it's, it's a little more exciting, I guess, because they, the, the stage is more set for the jumpers than it is for the hunters. So you're known for hunters and training hunters and equitation, but you're we've, not we've, in the We've had some success with the jumpers. We won the $25,000 uh, junior amateur classic was at Southampton with Sinatra, and we uh, I was a chef to keep when we won the uh, Preda States at Harrisburg. And we've had some nice jumpers, but that that's not has not in the past has not been our focus talked about your daughter so what was that like training her did you train her throughout her junior career we, we had uh bill cooney sort of helped her with the equitation i sort of did the hunters because uh, those were sort of straightforward easier to do uh yet she was a little bit tall when she was 12 but then she never grew anymore so we got on the horses a little bit earlier than scheduled my youngest daughter got scared early so she didn't pursue it my son never had any interest in the horses uh, my wife showed herself but Nancy's a good horse show mother she sort of stayed knows to steer a little bit clear very supportive but uh and knew how to handle everybody which is even more important what is Erin doing now she has a little business in um the Hamptons in the summer and then the, they come down and spend the winter in Wellington and then she'll have them in the um, fall. They go to Terrytown to Sleepy Hollow right outside New York City. What's that like having her in the business? Well, it's fun. You know, I, I, uh, being a know-it-all, like I said myself, I like to help as much as I can. But she got that little bit stubborn gene that I've been accused of having, too. So we have to <laughs> sort of weigh, weigh our, you know, pick our battles. So we know, you know, it's always fun to win in this business, but there's a lot of losing too. How do you think, how do you handle that, like as a rider and a trainer, and help your students? The losing, we try, <laughs> firstly, we try not to have those kind of things happen, but when they do, we just talk about something important like dinner and move on. I don't like dwelling on the negative. How about, you, did you ever get nervous as a rider? Or do you... Oh, yes, of course. I got terribly nervous, but then that's, that's what makes it fun for me was getting nervous and getting excited about it and learning to put your nerves, make them work for you instead of against you. I, I think if you weren't worried or nervous, it would take, a, for me, it would take a lot of the fun out of it and, and the thrill of, you know, the winning, you know, if you're, if you're wound up a little bit about it. Otherwise, I'd have slept through the classes. <laughs> and how about your students? Is there, do you ever have to kind of get get them handling their nerves better? The students, yes, but I, as much as I knew everything about everything, I, I do take a second seat and I, I have them talk to a sports psychologist, which is their, uh, that, and so I can stay out of that part of it. Instead of acting like I know how to do all that, I'd rather give the real expert their chance at it. I, I do try to play it down though when something goes wrong. I don't make a uh, I try to move on. I don't 
keep going, throwing that back and throwing that back at them, and uh, I, I try to move on. I, I figure as much as this costs, you might as well have a good time spending all this money. Uh, I, I, I don't think that that's, that's our general attitude. I, I'd like to keep it light and a lot of fun, but at the same time introduce, you know, develop your skills. When did you make the transition from, you know, you obviously were riding and doing very well and, and then moving on to, to more just focusing on training? How have that transition? And uh, I kind of outgrew it <laughs> <laughs> physically. Anyway, no, I think I think when I'd sort of, I'd sort of um, won what I thought I was going to win and sort of achieved my skills. I wasn't going to the Olympics and I knew it. And, and I put all my focus into my daughter and training young young kids and, and developing horses and sales. We, we didn't have the derbies back when I showed. So in the, the last big hunter class they had at Upperville, before they started having these derbies, I happened to win it in 86. And that kind of, then they've kind of disappeared for a while. So basically I'd done what, I'd achieved my goals, per, my personal goals uh, as far as riding and uh, I figured I might as well try to step it away, step away from it while I had uh, quite a resume. You talked about the, the sales business. You have a successful sales business. I guess how did that evolve? Like, uh, did you do it as you were riding? Or yes, as I was riding, it developed. And, and nowadays, with the social media, you can get so much more done. And the cell phones. I can remember going back to the cheap hotels that only had two lines for long distance and there weren't any cell phones so you'd spend half the night trying to get a hold of the person and try to make a deal or stand in line at the pay phones at the shows and it was a nightmare nowadays it's very simple you send some videos on the tele on the phone or whatsapp and they look at them and you're good to go they come try them or they negate them or sometimes they buy them without coming just take my word for it and of course the leasing has become a a huge huge uh way to make money. I, I own over a hundred horses and not including the, my breeding stock and uh, are parts of a lot of those, not all of them. Uh, but we re we lease out lots and lots of horses every year for the equitation, hunters, jumpers, all of it. What do you look for in a good horse? I start at the feet. That's a, that to me is crucial. I don't like buying horses that feet don't match. And then I, w I want a good, the good legs and a head. Uh, back when I was younger, I didn't think the head mattered that much, but they're way easier to sell when they're pretty. A pretty head and neck is way easier to market than a plain-headed horse with an upside-down neck. Of course, I had to find that out through trial and error because I can't listen to anybody. Uh, but it, it, uh, pretty head and neck is a good start. I, you know, like an athletic horse, a horse that's knees come up, weather comes up when he jumps. I mean, some of these horses that have won World Cup finals and huge classes that jump out of shape, I, I think they're the exception. And you have to be careful when you're looking because you might pass one of those up because they don't use their knees good, like uh, Albany. And there have been lots and lots of horses, but uh, one that comes to mind is that horse that, Les that Leslie Howard won so much on uh, Albany. But uh, basically an athletic, I like a big eye on a horse, a big shoulder. Uh, I, I don't mind a little more slope in the pastern than you see a lot of these warm bloods have, those short, straight pasterns. I like a lot, little longer pastern myself. Some of my best hunters 
were a little long in the pasture, but they were also very scopy, good-moving horses. Color doesn't really matter. I like dark brown myself, but I don't really care what color they are. I think you said something people will always, um, uh, you know, they might be disappointed, but they won't ever be surprised. Yes, I think. That's, that's sort of my slogan. As long as you tell them up front everything that you can tell them about the horse and they can, they may, they may be, um, they may be up disappointed, but they hopefully they won't be surprised because you've already exposed what you know about the horse. And nowadays an undisclosed issue about a horse, you can get in a lot of trouble for not, Disclosing that, um, you know, if the horse weaves or cribs or kicks or rears up at the end gate or, you know, now they've got cameras on everything, so it's easy to prove one way or the other. Um, I like to stand about, stand behind my horses, and I'd, I'd rather, rather than being short-sighted and make a quick buck, I'd rather keep the people happy so they come back. Uh, talking about as, you know, you're teaching students, um, what... Uh, and as a judge too, what do you think riders today need to work on? In general, they're they're uh, spoiled, and with society as it is today, you know, you don't make them work too hard. I mean, they, to get better, they need to ride a lot without stirrups. I see you, most of the riders in general are loose, and I think you, they need to become better horsemen, get back behind the scenes. And do you have a favorite exercise that you? type of work that you like to teach your students? We spend a lot of time cantering Cavalettis without stirrups on different um, patterns. That would be my favorite exercise. Playing with the distances and uh, the strides between them and learning the automatic release where they, their balance is developed without the stirrups. That's a dying art. You only see it in the Olympics and where they're really top riders. <laughs> You know, you're a judge as well. Mm -hmm. um, what do you, I guess, uh, what do you like and dislike about being a judge? I dislike the fact that you can't pin everybody first to keep them all happy. But, uh, you know, I know the majority of the people, and I try to do a good job. And uh, if you do it like you see it, everybody's sort of going to get their turn. I, I think when you... You can't play favorites. It's too black and white. There's not that kind of much gray area. Uh, the money's not that good, so that I certainly don't do it for the money, but I feel I owe it to the industry. Uh, like I said, being a know-it-all and having judged for, heck, I judged uh, Devin in 81 and 83. Uh, that was 100 years ago. I, I try to do a few shows a year to try to get around just see different parts of the country. Uh, I, I think it's a little bit of an obligation. It's a, it's a shame when you don't have other top trainers that will do, will do the judging, you know, because um, that is something that needs to be addressed. And then we were just talking earlier uh, before you started the interview about uh, that you uh, sold your stable uh, down in Ocala, and so that's kind of a big transition. How's that going? trying to cut back like I said and move on a little bit now my wife and I do a lot of traveling these days and um, trying to ease ease leave this in a position with, that it can still carry itself without me being there every day on the day-to-day -day basis I have real good assistance right now 
and it's easier for me to leave and go where I wanted to go. Um, what would you say over the years, what's been the hardest part of the sport for yourself? I think the hardest part probably is uh, raising three children and being married and trying to do this rigorous show schedule, I would say. Um, I've been very lucky. Uh, I've had a lot of good friends, made a lot of good friends in this business. And um, like I said, I've achieved, achieved the accolades I was looking after. Uh, of course, the money's always an issue. I've been real lucky, though, as far as that, that goes along the way. I've made nice investments. Of course, some real crummy ones, too. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, raising a family and, 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 you know, you have to have the camper. And, and anyway, we've got lots of tales to tell along the way mm -hmm. through that journey. Anything other than horses? Is that always? I ad I attempt golf, uh, but I, <laughs> it's a good thing I'm not making my living playing golf. Let's put it that way. <laughs> we used to go skiing, but now I'm afraid if I fell down, I wouldn't be able to get back up. What's something that people don't know about you that you could share? It's pretty much an open book. I'm trying to think what would be somebody they don't know. Um, I don't know. They all know I'm a loud mouth and I know it all and <laughs> there's not a lot of hidden agenda there. Uh, I, I don't like showy cars, but I guess they know that. I don't, I'm very frugal. I think most of them know that. I can't eat chocolate and I can't drink. Those are two things a lot of people might not, might not know because it triggers migraine headaches. But I, I don't know that there's a lot of any hidden agenda or any... I can't think of anything off the top of my head anyway. And what advice would you give your younger self? Try to listen. That'd be the biggest advice. And quit thinking you know everything. Yeah. You know, uh, that's kind of genetic. My dad had his own business. I've got my own business. So try not to be so hard-headed. Would be the and, and and take advantage of being healthy, you know, more exercise. You know, you get older, then you have aches and pains everywhere. Younger, I was, I always thought, oh, I could look like that if I wanted to, but not, <laughs> it was not high on the priority list. Why do you think you've been so successful? Uh, I, I think one of the things is probably uh, being friendly and. Um, being able to talk to all levels of people. Um, I, I guess it's one of my insecurities where I want everybody to like me. Uh, and I, I make an effort with everyone, you know, tall and fat and skinny and old and young, and uh, it doesn't matter. For, uh, for my well-being, I like to be liked. I think that, and I, I also think if you try to be honest in your sales, it, that helps multiply it, and good things come to good people. Had a few life lessons along the way where I didn't do anything and got rewarded, so just by being friendly, those are always in the back of my head. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Join us again for upcoming conversation with Francis Olympic show jumper, 
Eric Neve, and Top Hunter writer Hannah Isop. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I'm Sandra Olenek, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman Podcast. <laughs>